This episode of Nintendo Voice Chat is brought to you by Gamefly. Listen! Welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat, episode 377. Uh, per Schneider is out at a top-secret meeting with the king of Germantown, so he's not here this week, which means that I, Zach Ryan, am your host for this week's episode. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what we're going to be uh, chatting about this week, shall we? Yo, no. Uh, that's Sam over there. We'll get to him later. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about Star Fox 2, Sam's review. Yono! We're, Yono. We're, yes, we will talk about Yono. Uh, we're going to talk about with, uh, what's up with the Nintendo World Championship. Mm-hmm. And uh, this little game's coming out here in about 15 days called Super Mario Odyssey. All right. We'll talk Never heard about, about that as well. Mario, um, huh? Let me introduce our oh, cast, okay. if I may. Uh, today, I'm being joined by Sam, 5.0 Claiborne. There he is right there. <laughs> Yono is short, short for Yonoid. This is my big son, Jonathan Dornbush. Charmed, I'm sure. Hey, Dad. And in his triumphant return, Brian Altano. Good to be back. Welcome Thanks back. For having me. We miss you. We love you. Miss you too. Good I love to you all. Right on. Let's um, talk. So, before we get started, just a friendly reminder that uh, if you're listening to Nintendo Voice Chat and you like what you hear, you can leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, Five star reviews only, please. Just like Sandwich Artist did when he said, Every week I can barely wait to hear what's going on with the big N. I'm assuming that's Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Nintendo Voice Chat is by far and the best way to keep the updates going on all things Nintendo. With Pear in the Captain Chair, with Pear in the Captain's Chair, how can you lose? That's a rhetorical question. You can't. I'm sorry, Sandwich Artist. I'm in the Captain share today and it's like gonna just be a free so do we lose? episode does that we mean we win. can lose that means everybody that means everybody wins we could oh good yeah. I'm, 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 I'm okay with that yeah yeah that yes works. all right let's talk a little bit about nintendo news this the week big end could also mean the witch king of angmar the final and greatest nazgul challenger to uh the i'm almost rip. positive that that's what sandwich artist meant when he said <laughs> yes, big end. Big end. uh okay let's talk a little bit about uh nintendo news this week uh first things first we owe you guys an apology uh the upcoming Splatfest here in the u.s is actually werewolves versus vampires not that toilet paper caper we talked Uh about last week which there is only one right answer yes that's true but as you can see we've brought it up on screen here in case you didn't know what a vampire or a werewolf looks like what the hell's going on with that werewolf what's going on they're cosplaying as a werewolf um so yes, we were mistaken. Uh, the news came out about the U.S. Uh, Splatfest after the fact that we had recorded the show. So we talked. You issuing a correction? Uh, yeah, we we talked ad nauseum about which way we fold toilet paper, what kind of <laughs> ply we like to use. It was a very very long, very personal episode about this toilet paper uh, fiasco. But as it turns out, uh, this week uh, or this upcoming Splatfest is werewolves versus vampires. The toilet paper was for EU only. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in Japan, the Japanese Splatfest is power versus stamina, which is a weird one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I prefer werewolves versus like In what context? It's yeah. like RPG stats? Is that what I'm uh, Is it like exercise? Yeah. I mean, it's, you, it's a very specific Dark Souls build conversation. Do you go power or do you go That's stamina? Fair. Do you think right. there's a, only a very narrow wedge in time in which werewolves would have won out over vampires? Like oh, the night? Like maybe, maybe the year Teen Wolf came out? The very narrow time. Well, vampires are night creatures as well. Sometimes. I mean, they can live in their house during the day, but werewolf a werewolf can't be werewolf. in a house during the day. That's true. What if, what, if That's the what if there's like a fake moon indoors? Like a painting of a moon? Mm-hmm. Are you thinking werewolves can fall for stuff like Wile E. Cody falls for like a painting of a tunnel? Potentially. I, I can only I, assume that that would be the case. Okay, yeah. I don't know about that. Werewolves, uh, strong. Not that smart. That's just a regular man that turned into a wolf. So Not like he's this, a dumb guy. Hold on. This brings up a or bigger woman. topic. Is 
werewolves versus vampires, this spooky splat fest enough to entice you guys to come back around to splat, uh, Splatoon 2. Because personally, I've sort of dropped off. Mm-hmm. I know that makes me a bad Nintendo boy, but I haven't, I haven't uh, jumped in on a splat fest. I missed one when we were in, at PAX. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that to me was kind of like, well, if I'm going to miss an entire splat fest, I'll probably have to sit a few out here. So I don't know. I like the idea of, of, of spooky splat fest. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll definitely go team vampires. They have better superpowers. What do you guys think? I think it's going to be mostly like content that will bring you back this uh, Splatoon at this point. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think. Do you like, think if there's like spooky Halloween items that you could procure, like the uh, like Overwatch has a Halloween event right now? Yeah, they have where there's tons of funny of Halloween yeah. costumes. Yes, yeah. 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 Well, actually, you know what? I retract my statement. If they did something I like, I'm truly deeply passionate about, like pepperoni versus pineapple. Yeah, pizza. I'd have to come back and rep the anti pineapple, of course, because okay. it's yeah. a horrible thing. But neither of these shouldn't be allowed. Neither yeah. of yeah. these mythical monsters are enough to persuade you. No, to, not uh, enough. Jump back in and no. do a good splat. I, I no, believe I'm, pineapple exists. Pineapple does exist. It's unfortunately, yeah, it's uh, mostly legendary in most parts. But yes, that's true. There is pineapple. Now, I personally would love an opportunity to win some kind of Splatoon gear that would make you look like a werewolf, and then you just yes, run around that game yeah. playing as a crazy werewolf? Yeah, just a, a wet, awesome. painy wolf. That sounds good to me. I'm down with that. Yeah. yeah, I'll definitely be back for it. I've stopped playing regularly in between Splatfests, which I was doing when it first came out, but for now, like the Splatfests always make me jump in for at least a couple more days. Right. Like, okay. And then I'll play residually for a day or two after. Okay. Uh, cool. So I'll jump in for this. I'm Team, were- team Werewolf, uh, because one of my favorite songs is Werewolf Bar Mitzvah. Spooky, scary. Boys becoming men. Yeah, men becoming wolves. Now listen, here's the thing about Splatoon 2 that I worry will affect my enjoyment of this upcoming Splatfest, and that's, uh, there's a lot of these competitive type games that I love to play at the outset. Like, I'm sure if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I've been talking ad nauseum about Destiny. Yep. I've been mm-hmm. playing Destiny 2 a lot, um, and I part of the reason that I keep up with this uh, is that I, I want to be able to continue to play in the PvP matches and stuff like that, so I wonder if uh, I've taken enough time off of Splatoon 2 that I'm going to go back to it and just be terrible at it is that something that deters you guys from picking it back up a little bit but i think um you you're kind of undermining your ability i think you'll you'll oh no get i'm back terrible at games no well yeah. that's okay that's, but no, i think you true. can get back to mediocre I don't think you'll be great. We have faith, but I think you can. Well, I think you can slowly a, climb back. That's to what mediocre. it says on my business card. Getting back to mediocre. <laughs> what do you? What's the Splatfest in Destiny Two this month? Uh, the Splatfest in Destiny Two is uh, some kind of Iron Galahorn or something. I don't know. Yeah. Versus what? Yeah. Versus uh, <laughs> what did you copper, a copper grenade launcher or some crazy stuff. That's yeah. a bunch. It's a bunch of space wizards jumping around. Yeah, that's you know? and all you need. For me, the cool. thing about Splatoon is even when you're not great at it, I think there's still some enjoyment out of it because you're always doing something to help. It just always as long as you're shooting out paint like you're always helping. That's true. Sure. That's and a good so way I think yeah. even when you're not great in especially when you're just learning the game, you still feel like you're contributing enough. That yeah. that's what usually keeps me after it's been a month since I've played. Like that'll keep me back going in because I'm like, okay, well I did I all right. Sure. This match, but yeah. yeah, and if I you think, think about it that way with any first person shooter, you're always contributing to one of the teams. Sure. No yeah. What you do. Yeah. If you die a lot, you're contributing usually to the, to other, the other team. team. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's usually true. what I'm doing. You're always doing something. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that the at its core, Splatoon is a game that it's not crazy complex mechanically. So like, yeah, it's kind of like riding a bike. I'm sure you could pick it up really quickly and get back into it. And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, once I've played a few matches, I totally remember how to feel like right. how to move, how to navigate, you know? So we'll see. Yeah. But I think I'm, you'll be fine. I'm definitely going to jump back in just because I love all things Halloween themed. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, I, I can't really decide between these two things. Mm-hmm. 
It's a tough call for you. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you love Dracula's and you love werewolves. That's it. That's really where I'm. If you do it on a purely serial basis, uh, you have Count Chocula. Uh huh. Yeah. And then Fruit Brute. Oh, Count Chocula. Oh yeah. Million miles. Yeah. That's not even a contest. Well, and Fruit Brute, you can't even really get too easily. Fruit Brute rhymes though, so don't count him out. If video cameras didn't exist, I would eat Count Chocula for breakfast every day. Every single day. Well, you guys, speaking of things that rhyme, there's a couple of uh, demos coming out uh, for the Switch this week, and that's uh, Spelunker Party and Oceanhorn. Mm-hmm. Neither of those really rhyme. Yeah. But it is exciting that, that we're getting, uh, like, you know, we saw Octopath Traveler yep. last month. Um, I love that Nintendo <clears throat> is sort of bringing back the idea of, like, the game demo yep. on the Switch. We don't see a lot of demos dropping no. for other platforms, and I think the Switch is a really cool one to do just that because there is this sort of deluge of games every week. More on that later, obviously. We've got a whole list to talk about. But, yep. um, do you guys I know what the Spelunker game is? Yeah, so Spelunker is actually a remake of a game that Spelunky was based off of. Mm. And Pear was very excited about this because the original Spelunker is a European game and Pear is like a very European man. Mm -hmm. So he was very excited to represent Europe in a way that encompasses video games. There's a a really funny historical significance to that game. Mm -hmm. That's that it's the most famous early example of a kusoge, which means uh, uh, crap game. Oh, no. It, oh, wow. It's the better version of crap, my, one of my favorite words ever, in, in Japanese. Okay. And what that means is that there's like this game, this games that are so hard and so crappy that uh, they're actually of significance and people like remember them fondly. Oh, interesting. And a Kusoge game, uh, Splunker is like, that's the quintessential one. So okay. E.T. is oh, wow. one of our Kuso games. Exactly. Yeah, we, we talk about it all the huh. time. Yeah. We know about it. And uh, yeah, yeah, and it's just a part of the zeitgeist right, for being right. bad. Interesting. And so, Splunker is that. But this so new now game, you get to play with four people. Yeah, I was going to say this new game has the, uh, the this co-op ability and uh, the demo showcases a lot of the four-player co-op mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. And Pear was trying to convince me to play it with him and a couple of people around the office. But he wanted all four of us to play on the Switch screen. Which didn't make sense to me. That's a very small Ooh, screen. No. But he said that all four people can play and it totally runs fine. Yeah. It's, interesting. Interesting. it's kind of got like a obviously it's got like a very similar vibe to Spelunky because yeah. Spelunky straight up aped this game. Spelunky's like a really fast, fun version. Yeah. Spelunker is like really methodical and slow and you're just exploring for treasures mm-hmm. room after room. It's a lot more punishing. And you can see too. that in this. It's like a bunch of ropes, uh-huh. a yep. bunch of mines, and you're just exploring. So this is just like a twist on that. Yeah, yeah. I played this demo when it first launched on the Japanese eShop uh-huh. a couple months ago, uh-huh. uh, which was interesting because I had set up a Japanese uh, eShop account to download the game Kamiko. Okay. And I saw it on there through some weird navigation because it was like, you know, it's I don't read Japanese and there's no like Google translate on, on your Nintendo switch. <laughs> so I downloaded it and I went and I was just like, I don't understand this. This is obtuse. It feels like a sort of like up res port of a mobile game, which mm-hmm. I think it might have some roots in. I'm not sure. sure. Um, and I kind of liked it. So I, I think I'll hold out for the retail version on the North America eShop and give it a shot. But it's interesting. It's weird to play after something like steam world dig, which is a just like, damn near flawless game about yeah. spelunking yeah yeah so but it, i'm glad it's here yeah i'm still playing the hell out of steamworld dig yeah. i really love that game you almost done with that game uh who can who can tell yeah. there's no way of knowing that i'm i'm yeah. ready to go back and just break all the rocks I didn't i've break. actually been going yeah. pretty slowly and methodically through I just it because that big I puzzle love... where it's like that guy's special horde in the mm. temple and okay you have to go and find so i okay. i just went back That's to the great. temple and started digging around in there so okay. it, I, it took i got kind of confused i i set the game down for a few days and then i sort of forgot where i was supposed to go right mm-hmm. so i was digging around one temple and then i was like oh right there's a whole other temple over here yeah, that yeah. I, 
I'm doing the same as you said you were doing, though, of like taking it slowly. Yeah. Just because I, as I'm digging further down, I'm like, oh no, I probably missed seven things. Yeah. Me and I uh-huh. need to slowly figure out where those all are. And yeah. I feel like it rewards you for doing that and super I'm, well. I'm having yeah. a hell of a time completing uh, a lot of the challenge rooms. Yeah. 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 Because like you finish them or what you think is the objective there. Yeah. And yeah. then you walk out of them and you don't see that little green check mark. Mm-hmm. And it just drives me crazy. Yep. You, you got to go back and try and gotta figure go out. Yeah. Pear said that the 100% run was maddening. But yes. Because he did that. Yeah. I have as well. I'm working on that. Um, okay, the other demo is Oceanhorn, uh, which to say is a Zelda-like is uh, uh, right on the nose. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just Wind Waker from a top-down perspective. We talked about this a few months ago on the show when it launched on yeah. Switch. It's interesting now that we're getting a demo for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This game sold a million units across all platforms, which mm-hmm. I think is incredibly impressive. But it was also launched on a bunch of systems where people were starved for a Zelda-like. Um, I don't think it's... Uh, very Wind Waker-esque outside of like sailing and uh, some of the art direction in the towns because the most like the moment-to-moment gameplay um, is very, very rudimentary. Like the combat is simplistic. The puzzles are pretty simple. Um, the top-down perspective changes almost everything. That said, I think there is some charm here and I think there's like there's something there. Um, if you're looking for a top-down 2D Zelda-style game, there's another one uh, coming up this week that we'll talk about in a bit. But um, yeah, check out the demo. I think it's perfect that you can play this game and be like, not for me, instead of just spending the money on it and going like, oh, this is not the Zelda I wanted or this is. Absolutely. That's exactly, yeah. yeah. So that's exactly the thing because this is a game that has been on my list of like to try games for since it launched on Switch. Yeah. Because I'm such a Zelda fan, people are always saying like, oh, Oceanhorn's a really great way to like kill the time between your next Zelda adventures or yeah. wherever the DLC is coming. So this is awesome that there's a demo because uh, I, I haven't, I haven't convinced myself to like take the plunge and put totally. the money down for yeah, it. So totally. it's nice to kind of get a, a justification or yeah. not. So, yeah. And like you were saying, I'm just glad that's a trend Nintendo's bringing back because for me in the 360 PS3 era, like demos were the thing that made me buy games. Yeah, totally. I could just download five demos a week and maybe I'd like one of these games, maybe I wouldn't. The reason I bought Bioshock was because I played the first 20 minutes of that game yeah. a demo mm-hmm. and was like, I need to know what happened. Dude, the next. reason I bought Resident Evil 4 is because the Resident Evil 4 demo on GameCube of the first town area yep. that yeah. ends with like with the, the church bells ringing yeah. and the cha- chainsaw is something I played through like 200 times. Yeah. yeah. You know, the GameCube era was actually surprisingly good good for demos despite mm-hmm. the fact that you have those um, tiny demo discs yeah little the demo discs. Of your game. Oh, yeah. do you remember that oh the, the, a lot of them um yeah. metroid yeah, the, prime 2 had that so it was like really cool and yep. then playing that early and then sometimes the demo disc would even have like old zelda games on it and stuff like that they, I, they did a I feel like i had a demo disc that had uh like rogue leader or one of the yeah. rogue yeah. games on it i could see um, that as well as yeah just a bunch of other things like that animal so crossing it, came with maybe metroid prime or something like that. yes yeah. yeah, it was cool. Uh, really cool. Uh, greatest demos. Uh, that's a good feature that we should do. Oh, yeah. Ooh, we write yeah. that down. Yeah. You know, that's um, the Tomb Raider. Oh, you remember PlayStation had the six, yeah. six game discs or yeah. whatever. Oh, and, yeah. Well, they also came with uh, OPM, right? The official PlayStation. Yeah, they yeah. would have. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody demos. had them. Yeah. I remember yeah. everybody played Tomb Raider that way first. Yeah. That first yeah. level of Tomb Raider. Uh, funny. Speaking of things that I'd like to demo, uh, Nyko announced a portable Switch dock that I would like to give a try to because yes. I travel a lot. And this is actually a really cool looking little device. Um, it's small. Smaller than the official dock, which I think is pretty cool. Is that the yeah. only thing that makes it portable besides the, the kind of fold-up? Uh, 
Well, I mean, what else do you want in portability? Like well, it's smaller I, I and, really it, and it's like, it like very compact. Like it folds up. Yeah, but I mean, so it's got an. So it's basically looks like you can see it now. It basically looks like a little tablet that you just set your switch on top of. Which I kind of like the way that this looks. That angle looks a lot better than the kickstand angle. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow, very nice, Barrett. Yeah, so I. That's another good point, (laughs) Sam. Like I hadn't even considered that. That this is a much better viewing angle if. You're, you're on a plane or something yeah. because like, yeah. you can take this out without but <laughs> without charging it. Or, you have to have the dock not dock not working for that. Doctor octopus, right? Right. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does come with an HDMI pass through and a uh, uh, power supply, so it ostensibly you mm-hmm. can pack this up in your backpack in your switch case with you, yeah. and then take it on the road, and then you're not always playing it as a handheld. I, I mean. I don't really know it's how cheaper easy than it is to patch too, it in right? in a hotel. Yeah, it's it's half the price. It's well, 50 bucks. I mean, I I travel a ton, and uh, the dock is always the thing that I want to grab at the last minute. But it's also the the thing I don't want to like unplug from my television and everything, and pull out the you know the AC adapter and all that. And in their product display video for this thing, they show it um, getting tucked away into like the netting in the back of a just your one of your standard issue. Nintendo Switch cases, uh-huh. mm-hmm. uh, which is really cool. Uh, just the idea of being able to chuck that in my bag with my iPhone charger and being able to play Switch games on a big screen TV is really nice, especially because when you get somewhere, if you have a pro controller or something, or even a game that uses split Joy-Cons, you can play two players on your TV. And that's really leaning into the magic and the portability of the system, which I think the dock loses a lot of. Yeah. You know, uh, ultimately, it is great that you can jump from TV to handheld with the Nintendo Switch, uh, and this just makes that a little bit easier. So well, we're getting one in the office next week. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll be able to like go go through our full sort of rundown on NVC. Yeah. Uh, we're probably going to open it up on Up at Noon, maybe shoot a video on it. So Cool. Yeah, I really like the idea of having something like this, if you don't mind. Yeah. So like this, just this size, and then an additional, like your pro controller, and you have your full console set up. You have everything. You just throw this in your backpack and go. Like, I yeah. think that's really cool. You think about that versus like traveling with a PS4 or an Xbox One. It's like, yeah. it's night and day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, does anybody remember Super Mario Run? You remember yes. that little gem yep. for the old cell phone there? Not a fan. Yeah? You didn't like it? No. I thought it was very clever. It but was a good idea. Yeah. I didn't think it was very fun. Well, good news for you, Sam. Now there's even more of it for you to play. Yeah. Great news for you, Zach. I put probably five hours into this game over the last few days, and I did not expect to do that at all. I got a notification from Nintendo saying Mario Run was updated. From the Nintendo? From the Nintendo. Hey, Brian, it's the Nintendo. It's us, the Nintendo. (laughs) Um, I would say in terms of 2D Marios, it's closest to uh, the Super Luigi Mm -hmm. uh, game for Wii U. In that it's actually almost kind of WarioWare-esque in that the levels are maybe 10, 12 seconds long. Interesting. And the primary objective is to collect three coins in each one, which is pretty standard issue for old school Mario fans. Like Luigi too. Yeah. yeah. And get to the goalpost. And sometimes the goalpost is just a pipe at the end. And sometimes it's just like a, a flag. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just always, it doesn't always end the same way. You play 10 levels in a row. And at the end, you're sort of judged on how many coins you get. And they kick you a bunch of uh, sort of points allotting how, how well you did. And then from there, you can open up question blocks that unlock um, items for your, like, overworld toad kingdom minigame or whatever. I love that little kingdom. Yeah. yeah. I like Are you that, pretty yeah. involved in that? Uh, I am. I collected almost everything that I could for a while. Mm-hmm. And I took a break and played, you know, uh, real games. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> uh, but I keep coming back to this game because it is, like... 
a really fun, really quick, bite-sized Mario game to play on my phone. Like, I you think they kind of nailed it. You others to play right now. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean... No, nothing else coming out this fall. <laughs> yeah, no, that's for sure. But, I mean, sometimes you're not on your Switch, you know? Sometimes you're just on your phone, and I think it's mm-hmm. really awesome that's that, that that's there, and I really hope to see more offerings from Nintendo on the mobile front, because I now, think they've done a good job so far. Y'all talked about Mario Run forever when it yeah. came out. Uh, I remember those episodes, but uh, I, I will say, just sort of in closing on this, that I think that as a game that set out to create a like one-handed Mario experience, it is tremendously successful yeah. in that oh, regard. Yeah. And I am always constantly surprised when I pick it back up and it's, yep. you know, I'm flicking my screen and like holding down to run. Like, I think it's really brilliant that way. Yeah, um, I came around on it hard when I first played it. My first impressions on this show were like, I don't like it. It doesn't do this well. doesn't do this well. And then I put more time into it and I was like, this is about as perfect of a like one finger Mario game you can make on a phone. Mm-hmm. Like I'm super happy with it. Uh, this Arf. update, this out update outlines uh, new courses, like <laughs> new playable characters, and a new feature that lets you listen to your favorite music while you play. So yeah. my question to that. you guys is, what's Good the sure. best substitute Mario music? I don't Probably know. just marching bulls on parade mar- by bulls. Rage Against the Machine. Yes. Weird choice. Yeah. Marching Probably band music. A marching band playing Louie Louie. Okay, that's pretty good. It's very specific. Mm-hmm. Brian, I feel like you'd probably just be listening to like Wu-Tang or something. Yeah, Wu-Tang or just go download my albums. Yeah. There we go. I'll plug, I'll plug my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Shameless <Listen> self-promotion. <laughs> yes, um, they're free. I'm getting so much money. For yeah. Them. <laughs> Give him all those zero dollars. <laughs> Um, okay, and then our last bit of news here before we move on. That was a great transition when I just said okay and then started talking about the next story. Um, friend of the show, Bill Trinan, uh, he did an interview with Business Insider and talked a little bit about what uh, Nintendo learned from the Wii U. And uh, not a huge story, but I did think that there was a couple interesting things to pull out here. Uh, one of the quotes that he has was, uh, if you look at the Wii U hardware system, just the system menu itself, the time that it took to boot that system up to get into gameplay was something that was a frustration for a lot of players early on yeah. and actually became a hindrance. And I, I hadn't really stopped to consider... Um, just how easy it is to pick up your Switch and play yes. until I read this yeah. quote. And I thought that was very, very smart of him to talk about this in particular because in an era uh, like this generation of gaming, we have rest mode on PS4 and Xbox yep. where we, you know, it's a simple press of a button and we're right back into a game. The Switch, same deal. You can hit your power button, you hit whatever button you want three times and then you're back into the game that you were playing last and i think a that lot that of games you don't have to update for right you can save your update for later and stuff like that yeah so i think That's it's a big problem that the switch solved that like no system solved since cartridges mm-hmm. right every system got worse and worse with starting starting up and load times mm-hmm. are really bad on everything and uh, those are like these things that we kind of all accept as part of video gaming now that's stupid yeah like if you're making a hardware that's dedicated to playing a video game it should start immediately and it shouldn't have low times and it should be, you know, possibly easy to move around. So there's like, there's all these things that go into design. Just like, don't make a PC. Right. Oh, right, right, right. And I think the Switch is not a PC. No. And I think that's so awesome. Uh, yeah. you, I can definitively say with authority that the Switch is not a PC. Uh-uh. Yeah. Although a bunch of PC ports sneak onto the Switch that's and you true. see mouse cursors in them because they forgot. Yeah. Shame yeah. on you. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. yeah, all the time. Uh, there's also been a couple of times where you'll unlock achievements or like trophy stuff. Yeah. You're like, nah, that's not supposed <laughs> to be there. <laughs> Somebody screen capped a thing in Stardew Valley where it was like, right click the corn. To, yeah. And it's like, you can't do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, oh. I've been a big handheld gamer my entire life and one of the things i noticed that happened around the game boy advance era i think it was the sp that first allowed yeah. you to like close the clamshell that yeah. was awesome yeah. and i really loved that was, that was that actually one great. of the first times but i know i started noticing that with a lot of third-party games or games that were ported to handheld uh people kind of forgot that they you were playing a handheld game yeah and they would front load the 
like start the title screen with like six or seven menus. And so when you're in a bus stop and you're like, I want to flip this thing open and play like for two minutes, you would actually have to get through 60 seconds of nonsense. And it's like, <laughs> there's that saying like, get to the fireworks factory, yeah. Yeah. you know, like just get to the part where all the fireworks are blowing up and the factory is no, no made, longer Made there. famous by Millhouse. Yes, it's yes. true. <laughs> um, and so when you skip that, uh, it's kind of a problem, especially with handheld gaming. Now the Wii U did eventually get that sort of like quick boot mode, mm. yeah. which made mm-hmm. it easier to jump into a game. But still then, it's not anywhere near like you can be on a Gan- you can be on the fight with Ganon in uh, Breath of the Wild. Pause Instantly. it, pick yeah. up your system, leave for three days, come back, hit the button, you're right back in. Like, well, I think that, yeah. that and I, I think that that sense of immediacy is what the Switch at its core is all about. Yep. It's mm-hmm. getting back into the gameplay, it's dropping it into your dock and having yep. it immediately yeah. show up on your TV. That sort of instant gratification is something that I feel like Nintendo it's has integral built to that idea. this yeah. system on. And this quote is saying exactly that. Yeah, because I think that's what I thought was the most interesting part about any it. slower and you might reach for your switch less you know yeah. and the fact that it's so snappy is the reason i think or one of the reasons we keep going back so yeah. also what that's a bunch awesome. of babies that we can't wait 20 seconds to play our have you games. have you Life fully stuff, drained recently like it's shocking yeah yeah I, I, when the first time that happened to me i was like is my switch broken like i just was so i wasn't used to it having to like give me a charge symbol yeah. and like mm-hmm. do all this other yeah. stuff it's kind of funny i try to make it a habit of fully it's, drain uh right before we record <laughs> this show every week that's a pee joke yeah um Okay, so let's talk a little bit about uh, all these games that are coming out. All right. In a segment that I like to call Nintendo Switch Has No Games. I'm just kidding. That's not a real segment. (laughs) Um, Okay, I'm going to read off a bunch of these games, uh, so stick with me as I announce the following releases. I looked at the wrong camera. Um, Neon Chrome, Unbox, Newbie's Adventure, ACA Neo Geo, The King of Fighters 95, (laughs) Don't Knock Twice. That's a sex game. Uh, Yono game. and the Celestial Yono. Elephants, which I know you've been playing. Yes. The sequel you've been playing? Yono. I just downloaded it. I haven't started, but I'm excited to. Why yeah. do we even invite Sorry. this guy on? Sorry. Tell us about it. Um, Yono is a video game developed by one person, which is kind of amazing. Uh, and it's a sort of top-down isometric game starring a celestial elephant who has to go around these worlds, talk to human characters, and uh, interact with puzzles and use cool things like his trunk, to inhale water, spit it on fire. Uh, he can ram into things. He can basically solve puzzles, open up treasure chests, upgrade, uh, move blocks around. It's a very simplistic game, and I would say it's a notch above a children's game. But I really like it because it doesn't push back a lot, and I think the puzzles are just smart enough that they make you feel accomplished when you solve them. Some of the issues I am having with the game is that it gets a little difficult to line up the elephant with a block that he needs to push or a character he needs to talk to. Classic conundrum. Classic elephant problems, right? But with this being a video game, ultimately you would want that to work. Um, It's a little clunky in that regard. But other than that, I do really like it. Uh, There are different costumes that you can get for your elephant. One of them is a green tunic with a hood. Huh. Where they came up with- yeah, not hiding that at all. Um, and I would say it's a Zelda light and uh, that I do dig it a little bit more than something like Oceanhorn. Uh, and it's really? Just really adorable. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. Huh. Uh, so this game's out now. Um, go check it out. I wish there was a demo for it. Watch some videos and see if you like it. <laughs> well, according to Oceanhorn strategy, there will be a demo for this game in about three months. Yeah, perfect. So uh, moving on, we've got uh, Square Boy versus Bullies Arena Edition. Mm-hmm. Tohu Kabuto 5 Burst Battle. Finally. Rogue Trooper Redux. Or Redo? How do you guys say that? Redux. Redux. Yeah. Um, Putty Pals. Uh, and then over on the 3DS, we've got Little Adventure on the Prairie. <laughs> Good. And uh, Etrian Odyssey 5, Beyond the Myth, uh, which I'm sure our friend Jared Petty is very excited about. Oh, yeah. He loves sure. the Etrian Odyssey. I liked Etrian Odyssey 4. Yeah? 
Mm-hmm. Well, good news for you, Sam. Now so that's the making maps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we've got uh, probably my favorite game title of the week. This it's one's great. so good. Yeah. 88 Heroes, 98 Heroes Edition. Yeah, I'll yeah, talk why? about this one really quick. It's um, 88 Heroes is one of those games that uh, I put on my PS4 a couple months ago and looked behind me, and all of a sudden there was like seven people in there. There was 98 Heroes. Yeah. Uh, so 88 Heroes is a game about 88 different characters who are all completely ridiculous caricatures or sort of uh, nods to pop, pop culture characters. And their effective goal is to, one by one, reach a, reach a sort of door at the end of a stage. Now, each stage is different. It's full of like traps and perils and enemies. They're all trying to kill you. I remember this yeah. game now. They yeah. each so, have one superpower that yeah. might not get you much further towards your goal yeah, but and you, you only use one you and die randomly and it's randomized right it's randomized yeah. so okay. uh and then you do run out of heroes so i'm assuming and i've only been playing it on switch for a little bit which by the way it's a perfect fit for that platform because yeah, it really is good. it's so quick and snappy i'm assuming 98 heroes means they added 10 more heroes yeah although the, i haven't found them yet the description is like 88 heroes and 10 of their friends yeah. are along for the ride now <laughs> so yeah. just like 10 normal dudes like it's i hope so and then just hope you don't spawn them and then just jeff there are characters school teacher there's an armadillo that's Crossing based on a ninja turtle. There's this dude that looks like Ash from Ash vs. Evil Dead. There's uh, a snake that controls like the snake Insane from Snake. Ass. Oh. That's just like janky, <laughs> like da 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 da. And you're like, he's not platforming. He's like climbing on the frame. Like, it's just really fun. It's really creative and really clever. Um, yeah, give this one a look. I, yeah, it's I really think special. I all thought it looked really cool when you were playing yeah. that. So, we yeah, definitely super fun. That one. That's really awesome. Yeah, I remember seeing you play it. I just it completely didn't make the connection that that was the game. Yeah, yeah, I know. Totally. Okay. Totally. Um, up next, uh, Tiny Barbarian DX. Uh, now this game, you and I have talked about this this morning. You know, we've both been playing a little bit of it. I love it. Uh, it's yeah. super cool. Sam, have you have you played this at all? Because yeah. I feel like this would be I'm super right. Games, that's yeah. what I, don't know. I feel like this would be right up your alley. It feels to me. Pear described it to me. You can see it now. Pear described it to me as uh, a twelve bit game. Uh, somewhere between yeah. the S- the NES and the that Super happens. NES. A lot of people use like the big pixels and they make pretty stuff, but then they use like a lot more colors than the NES could display. Yeah, right. Now or- the the vibe that I'm getting from this game, granted, I'm only like three levels in. Mm-hmm. It feels to me like it's taking hints from Castlevania, Castlevania. Yes. and Shovel Knight. Yeah, uh, I feel like Oats. Shovel Knight in the way that it's it's got this very very comical sort of charming presentation. Like I don't know if you'll see it in this gameplay clip that we're running here but yeah. if you stop if you idle for a while this dude just starts flexing his muscles yep <laughs> he just yep. starts doing a good cool. flex and showing you how buffy is i would say there's a little bit of karnov in here too and the overworld is straight up uh ghouls and ghosts yeah it does it's just a it's map. just like the, yeah. the map screen that pans along and so shows it's more you brawler than like a metroid oh absolutely uh, yeah yeah it's mm-hmm. not a metroidvania um it is very very difficult yeah but it's really hard the cool thing about it is there are no lives so as long as you can make it through a screen you'll never have to do that again yeah. you just get to yeah. the next screen so i'm sure people will like become experts and do extra sure. runs and stuff mm-hmm. but this is part of the company nicholas i think they're called okay yeah. we're doing just really special stuff with switch packaging yeah it's awesome. uh we saw with cave story and uh binding of isaac, binding of isaac yeah. which they published um that they're, they're they make like full-on nes manuals this one has a gold one uh they put stickers and like uh, keychains in the box and stuff like that yeah. it has manual this has eagles in it that will try to kill you that's um, nickel spits which is very classic now i made barrett our producer capture this footage uh for us today so that we had a little something to talk over uh he cried like a yeah yeah, like a baby he said that it was too hard for him and he's not very good at video to be fair he does that every day i don't think he knows there's a microphone that he can talk into while we say stuff that's why i'm talking so much smack about him right now that's true (laughs) (laughs) so uh we pushed him too far now i will say i will say 
given that I've only played a few levels, uh, $29.99 for the digital release mm-hmm. seems a little, oh, a little I, high for me. Definitely. But I do love, like you said, what they're doing with the physical release. Yeah. The sticker yeah, packages, sure. the bonuses. Like, if this is your jam, like, there's a lot to, to take in there. So I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I played this game a lot, and then I looked up the price of it, and I had a little bit of sticker shock as well. Where I was Hachi like, machi. $30 yeah. is a little bit much. But you know what? They went high with Cave Story as well. Yep. And, you know, I maybe that's just their thing. Well, I mean, let's talk about physical production. Uh, it's expensive. Yeah. To yeah. print a card itself is expensive. To add in bonuses like they're giving Did for you fans, see that that's gnome? expensive. Yeah. Did everybody yeah. see that gnome? Yeah. yeah. All right. That gnome. I want to make sure you guys saw that gnome. Yeah, you can beat on of, that. You can beat on that gnome real good. And he came out you, of nowhere. He'll give you a bunch of uh, golden meat. So this is a golden axe. Uh, sort of. It's got nods to that too. Yeah. And if you get golden s- axes, you're a barbarian and you kick gnomes for stuff. Well, it's more so a Conan reference, right down to the opening. Like we saw it there in the opening where he's getting attacked by the birds and he breaks yeah. free. Like that's mm-hmm. that's straight up a Conan reference. Uh, the title screen's really interesting. I don't. Oh yeah. But you, yeah. it doesn't let you start the game until you die. Yeah. So, so the title screen opens like. You get dropped into this group of enemies and you have to fight through them. And then as soon as you die, the music starts up and it like pans up and it's like tiny barbarian. Yeah, like, it's very cool. <laughs> it's really cool. That's awesome. I like all uh, of that. Yeah. Another game that we've been playing is uh, Cinemora EX yep. from our friends over at uh, Grasshopper Manufacturer. Yep. Uh, this is a side scrolling shmup, gorgeous and sort it of. It is absolutely. a port of yeah. the Xbox. It is game. a port of the Xbox yeah. game. Uh, it's a, a gorgeous shoot 'em up that is very like steampunk influenced. Diesel punk. Diesel Punk. Ooh, is, is that what they're officially? Punk? Yeah, like Metal yeah. Slug or something like yeah, that. Yeah, okay. Everything's like over the top. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. Uh, it also features um, a lizard with sunglasses that smokes a cigar. Yeah. And the story makes so no sense at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's very strange. Yeah. The main hook here is that you can speed up uh, and slow down. Yeah. Which is really interesting because when you get in like this big wave oh. of bullets, you can hit the L trigger and everything goes black and white, slows down, mm-hmm. and uh, you can take out enemies. I've been playing this game on like normal, which I feel mm-hmm. is kind of easy, and I like that because it's giving me yeah. a chance to get through levels. Um, some of the bosses are awesome. Yeah. Like they're huge. Just, yeah. These massive, massive ships and tanks that fill up the whole screen. I love they do that look. classic shmup thing where you start beating up on one part of it, and then the entire ship rotates. Yeah. And then all these other nodules come out and start shooting mm-hmm. at you, and you yeah. take them all down. So, um, yeah, this is a clever game. So here like, comes a, yeah. yeah, here comes a ship battle here. Um, I think the time hook's really smart. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what I've been really... Well, it's also really about. interesting because you can see, if you're watching the... the uh, video here every so often you'll see a green number pop up above your counter and that's one of the biggest hooks to me about this game is that you have to defeat enemies to add time to your counter because if your timer runs down to zero then you die you lose a life but each enemy you kill is worth varying amounts of time that gets added back to your overall time. So it's, you have to, it's a very confrontational game. Like you mm-hmm. have that's to, weird you, because the Latin of the name means without stop. Right? I, I didn't know you spoke Latin as well. Like moratorium? Yeah. Mora. Um... But yeah, I think it's a really cool game. Glad to have another shoot 'em up on Switch. Yeah, I don't think like there's enough of those. There's a bunch of the ACA Neo Geo ones, mm-hmm. but um, in terms of like a modern shooter, I mean, there aren't enough of those in general. Period. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm still holding out for some of the classics like mm-hmm. you know Ikaruga and stuff like that. Yeah, so. I'd love an R type. It's cool yeah. to get like a yeah. Xbox. That I remember that game being like a big deal because it was only on Xbox. It's hard to play. Yeah. yeah. Our very own Damon yeah. Hatfield gave it a yeah. He nine scored point. nine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's really cool to have this on Switch. Right? I, I, I they never will be, but I really wish like House. Marks games yeah, could be on too. Switch. They would yeah, be yeah. So yeah. God, oh it's gosh. such a perfect fit, right? Yeah, now. published by Sony. Yes, yeah, it's all Sony. Yeah. Uh, last game I want to talk about before we move into some of our bigger topics here today is uh, the Flame and the Flood. Yep. Uh, Brian, you've been playing this, yes. and you're really enjoying it. I do. Yeah, I, I do like it a lot. It's um very difficult. 
Mm. Like, or at least it is for me. Maybe. So not. you're saying that Barrett probably couldn't hang if he was playing. I don't think so. I, okay. I think he'd be dead already. Right. Yeah. Before we finish this conversation, he's yeah. already done. Uh, this game looks real hard. Yeah, this game's very hard. Um, but I like it a lot uh, because it feels sort of like a way more sort of like artsier don't starve um, with some kind of fallout elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're basically this character in this top-down overworld foraging and hunting and hunting and gathering for, for things that you can find to sort of build shelter, build tools, and survive. The difference here is that you're not sort of locked into one location, which I like a lot. You can mm. get on your boat and do this sort of like, you know, uh, Oregon Trail down the river thing. <laughs> yeah. And smash. It's it. called doing a fjord. A fjord. Yeah. And then you end up smashing into walls and then you have to fix your ship and stuff too. But as you can see, like the the graphics, the art direction. I mean, the art direction is out of control. It's very gorgeous. Yeah. So you have a lot of that sort of like kit bashed, fallout, like sort of used future uh, aesthetic, um, this post-apocalyptic thing here. Have you been but, listening to the music at all? Yeah, I, awesome. I heard the soundtrack, like the original soundtrack. Well, it's the cool thing is like, when, when I got into a boat the first time, they just played like a country song where yeah. this guy's, or like a folk song. This guy's really wailing on a guitar and singing about it going is. down the river. And I was like, that's surprising. Cool. All I for, right. I forget his name, but they hired like a country musician essentially yeah. to just do the whole soundtrack and they handle it really well. I think even though it's procedurally generated the river and everything like yeah. it sounds oh, cool yeah the whole river as you go is procedurally generated uh, uh, one thing i will say is they have a guy procedurally generating, generating all the music yeah, live. yeah in the background yeah. i died uh, i didn't get super far in my first run and it asked me if i wanted to continue from a checkpoint which i thought was incredibly incredibly nice yes for a game like this which usually yeah. is just like permadeath because it is a roguelike yeah it, yeah, that's very surprising that they yeah. include checkpoints. Yeah, so I mean, it's got, it's got that ability to go back and like be like, okay, I screwed that up. Let me give this a shot again, which is cool. It, it helps me think that I can build out this character's world and his arsenal a lot better than just like having to start from scratch every time. Yeah. So yeah. Again, um, a genre that's like sorely lacking on Switch. So good to see it there. You give it the Brian Altano seal of approval. I do. Yes. Okay. We're right on. I want to know what's at the end of that river. Probably a whole nother river, yeah. <laughs> some kind of water, river. some kind of waterfall. Rivers I would imagine. All the way down. What if you spent all those hours playing that game, and then you got to the end, and you just went over a waterfall, and then that was the end of the game? Yeah, that's happens exactly. like in every Disney afternoon cartoon. So that's true. Yeah. It could yeah. happen here too. Listen. Hello there. Would you like to save money and play more video games? Well, let me introduce you to our sponsor, GameFly. GameFly is the best way to buy and rent all your favorite games at GameFly.com. You pick your favorite games and have them mailed directly to your door. Or mailbox. Gamefly is the leading video game rental service with over 9,000 titles to choose from. You can try your favorite games before you buy and keep the games as long as you want with no late fees. So if you're stuck on a boss fight or having a really good time, it's not a big deal. You can cancel at any time, and they also offer movie rentals too. Head to Gamefly.com slash voice chat and start your free premium 30-day trial today. The premium trial allows you to check out two games and or movies at a time. You can only get this offer, again, by visiting Gamefly.com slash voice chat. Now go sign up and start playing all your favorite games absolutely free for 30 days right now. Gentlemen, let's get down to brass tacks. Sam, our very own Sam Claiborne reviewed, up, reviewed Star Fox 2 a few weeks ago when the SNES Classic launched. You guys must have been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. We actually have saved talk it of the for town. you. Oh, really? Yeah, because we wanted to get you on the show to talk, talk about, about Star Fox 2. Um, Did you we, guys play? I have. Yeah, I have played it. Um, Did you play? I have not yet, no. I haven't played the full game. Well, you were at the event with me. Yes, 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 yes. I haven't played the full game, but definitely dabbled. Um, Just as a uh, sort of an anecdote, not a fan of the original Star Fox. Oh, really? Uh, So I didn't actually play it until... 64? No. I mean, I I played 64. I didn't actually play Star Fox until the SNES Classic. Right. I just completely missed it because I 
came up on the N64. Yeah. yeah. Um, but to go back to the original Star Fox just feels very archaic. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested that. to see what you had to say. Well, we know what you had to say about the second one, but tell tell me a little bit about the history of Star Fox Two. Sure. Um, uh, well, my and like just to get out of the way, like I love Star Fox. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. the first game because it's so funky and plucky and trying to do like something that it just shouldn't be able to do. And uh, the way they like kind of solved like 3D on the SNES and in the Game Boy at the time, which the for, the people that made that game mm-hmm. Argonaut uh, worked on first, they made a 3D Game Boy game which looks. Just as good. What's the name of that game? Uh, it's called X. X, that's right. Yeah. yeah. It's really neat. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I really like Star Fox. And the way, way Star Fox works is that it's on rails. And so you can kind of fly around within this this kind of area and, and shoot. Star Fox 2 doesn't have that. So it's like you, the freedom to walk around in 3D and stuff is what breaks Star Fox 2. Right. Mm. So, so let's get to the point in which they think they can make this game. It's after Star Fox and uh, they're, they're thinking like, well, we'll just do another Star Fox game. Star Fox is really popular. But Star Fox was popular because it looked amazing and futuristic on the SNES and it was pretty fun and they just put all this marketing behind it. What happened between then and then the projected release date of Star Fox 2, 1996? Like, think how late that is. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, that, uh, uh, a couple things happened. One was that the Nintendo 64 you know, was in production was going to come out and, and Mario 64 was going to look amazing. But more than that, the PlayStation was out, and Crash Bandicoot came out in 1996, for instance. Uh, Resident Evil came out in Resident Evil came out in 1996. Yeah. That's a very good point. And um, the Saturn was out, too. Mm-hmm. Less popular now to look back on and think about, but it had really good shooters. Mm-hmm. Like, really good shooters. And, right. it, and 3D was only good in, like, a couple instances on that system, but one of them was shooters. And uh, also, the PlayStation just had great 3D graphics all around, and the 64 is going to. So this game... Uh, was trying to do a little bit more what those games are doing with like like a doom like kind of open environment like moving around in it uh, you can 't get an idea from it from the space level, but when you land on a planet, you actually walk around in a 3 d environment mm-hmm. and these are actually a lot of these levels are open you can turn around and, and dogfight mm-hmm. uh, it can 't handle that like it just it 's too it just it chugs, chugs man. Yeah, it's chugging, but but it, more than that, it interferes with your shooting. So when you're yeah. trying to press up and down and track and 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 just do everything with the D pad, like it just doesn't work on the system. So it seems like this game was a sort of byproduct of a time it, that it never got to have. Uh, yeah, it was uh, you know exactly almost usurped by better looking shooters almost immediately before it was even mm-hmm. concocted. But well, why why complete it in 2017 and bring it back now? Is it for archival purposes? Because uh, it seems like a, a, I don't know if like we'll ever odd, have the time. answer to that question. <laughs> See, there's, sure. there's the rub, right? Like, I love that they brought Star Fox 2 to the SNES Classic. Not only as a Same. boon to those that want to purchase the SNES Classic, because here's a brand new, for all intents and purposes, SNES yep. game in 2017, yeah. uh, but I think it's important for Nintendo history uh, to have sure. a game like this that's readily available. I mean, well, this readily is, available is, is in limited yeah. quantity. Like, yeah. I actually really like the aesthetics of it. I love how this game looks. I love yeah. how it's janky and how like weird the sprites look hanging there in the air. Um, but like... Like Ugh. the game was canceled because like this doesn't make sense to your brain very well. Like yeah. it, it's mm-hmm. hard to keep up. You can't tell here, but there's a lot of lag from the frames, mm-hmm. so you can't really shoot what you want to shoot. I, I was yeah. watching you with the fight this boss. Yeah, I got pretty good. At I remember watching you fight this boss. I beat this in game the office. hard, which was no small task, and I would love to beat it in legendary. And I, I keep saying, like, when people are talking to me about this game, like, I love it. And I'd recommend it to a very small sliver of people. Mm-hmm. Sure. But when it came out, like they they put it out as a you know a novelty in this collection. I think it's really smart to do that uh, for. 
the people I'd recommend it to, which mm-hmm. is probably a lot of the people listening to this show, right? right. Mm-hmm. But like our job here is to is to recommend games to a larger audience right. and to say, would you play this? I would never tell somebody to go buy the SNES Classic Collection to play this game. For that. Mm. I think it's definitively the worst game in the collection. But to you guys who love Nintendo history and anybody out there, like absolutely, you have to play right. this game. But that's not like you know my job as a critic. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And well, I can definitely compare it to the games like Star Fox, which I think it doesn't work as well as. Yeah. And the games in the collection, which are masterpieces that hold up perfectly. And I could review any of those games at collection right now and say definitively like those this are like eight nine I'm, ten games. i'm glad yeah. you're able to differentiate those two worlds by the way because i think that is sort of the mark of a critic and a collector or a historian right and i think both have their merits and i think in this case they didn't intersect perfectly like if you find like a box copy of the original legend of zelda that was like a press run or something like that like yes that's a treasure and it's also if you tore it open with your teeth it would be a 10 out of 10 video game mm-hmm. this is not really that but I'm glad that it's, it's historical here. oddity, yeah, yeah, and, it, and it, it has all these problems with it. You know, that's what makes it interesting. The, the warts and all thing with games is really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely agree, uh, and I think it was important for us to take a look at this uh, critically, uh, and that sort of caused some controversy with your review. Uh, yeah, a lot of people. There was kind of an echo chamber uh, response, and this is just a reminder to everybody, like. Definitely read the review before you go after the reviewer. Correct. Because I got accused of a lot of things, which just hurts <laughs> completely silly. My favorite uh, thing that you got accused of a lot was that you were a millennial. Which yeah. is true. Yeah. And yeah. that means I played Star Fox when I was 14, and it meant a lot to me. Yeah. So I still think Star Fox is wonderful. Uh, so it was probably a good idea to put a millennial on that review. Well, when I For look sure. at you, when I look at you, I just think millennial. Yeah. So, All the yeah, time. There's just something yeah. about you, Sam. You um, are just the most woke teen I've ever seen. <laughs> So I, uh, I anyway, I was uh, really into um, uh, uh, the game and I really into the review experience. But yeah, people were saying this one thing to me, which was, why didn't you review it on its like it was a game that came out today? Yeah, that was the thing. And I don't really know what they that was mean the thing that, that baffled me too, yeah. right? Because it's like they wanted you to review the game through a lens of. 1996, but well, what does that mean? Here's, it well, was here's the fact. Here's the fact because it didn't work. We live in 2017. Yeah. This game was released officially in 2017. It doesn't make sense to review it through retro glasses like, until we invent time really travel. No one's going to be playing it in like, 1996. Like, but, and, and think of that statement. That's yeah. like a bad thing. Like, yeah. It was it was canceled because it looked like crap alongside these other systems. Right. If I would have reviewed that in 1995, I would have been like, "Lol, Nintendo." You need a new system because this game is not working well. Right? Yeah, it looks I mean, bum. Come on. Yeah. Okay. I mean, like, let's review it like it is going up against 2017 games. Like, it doesn't have any pay-to-win stuff in it. There's no loot boxes. Yeah, there's nice. no microtransactions. <laughs> ten out of there's ten. A lot going like, for it. It's doing better than a lot of its contemporaries are. It just simply on the merit that when you start it. The entire thing is there. You won't need any updates. And you don't have ever have to buy anything ever, ever again. Sure. Plus it's got that dope polygonal dragon that I really That's love. True. Oh yeah. No man. textures on him, just a bunch of just a bunch of blocks. It has cutscenes in blocks. I know. Yeah. It's like great. The, the first Starbucks doesn't have that. It has like just when you fly out of the, the base at the beginning. But this has like Lock. star destroyers basically and like these big things. Yeah. That are it like is pretty impressive to see some of that three D rendered stuff. Like it's I, so I love cool. I love the uh the scene that kind of closes your review that has the ship sort of turning in space and you can 
can see the decals and the logos on it. Like it is lovingly crafted. Right. Just it just came out too late. So. Yeah. Yeah, but their willingness to include it is awesome, and I don't think it's analogous to it necessarily. But I love. I feel like we're in an era right now with Nintendo where they are slowly loosening the reins on everything in terms of like they're partnering with Universal to do uh, like theme parks and things yep. like that, and just them slowly being like, "We'll mm-hmm. maybe consider TV and movies again after the Super Mario Brothers movie still hangs over them, like <laughs> yeah. the worst sin ever." Oh, Mario, Mario, and but, Luigi, Mario. Yeah, yep. uh, but yeah, I just think it's a cool part in that pattern that we're seeing. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree, and I'm glad that you got to review it as a Nintendo fan, as a Star Fox fan. I'm sorry you had to deal with so much stuff, but I think your review is spot on. No, it wasn't that bad. I just yeah. want, again, I want to get the word out that uh, that it's important to go read the source before repeating what everybody else is saying. True. Because a lot of that was answered. Yeah. And you can just write it in the review. In the review. Well, speaking of reading the source, uh, the Nintendo World Championships happened at uh, New York Comic Con last mm-hmm. week. You were out there. At the source. You got to cover yes. a lot of this event. Yeah, I was there um, for the whole show. So this is the third uh, Nintendo World Championship. There we see our friend Andrew Renee hosting the Nintendo World Championship. <laughs> Hell yeah. Shout out to Andrew um, Renee. I always love that logo. Yeah, it's oh, really dude, it's great. So I love good. that they kept yeah. the retro logo. When they yeah. first announced they were bringing this back this year, like my immediate impulse was to see if they were selling T-shirts of that logo. Yeah. I love it yeah. so much. We saw a bunch of those in 2015 because they brought it back. Yeah. So it, it, the first Nintendo World Championship was in 1990. Yeah. Uh, they brought it back in Did 2015. You go? There was one in the Bay Area. Uh, in 1990? There was try, uh, tryouts. Mm, no, I was I had, I was. Four. I had friends in New Jersey <laughs> in, in <laughs> so? the 90s that went. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was like eight or eight or nine, and I had friends that were that went, came back with like hats and T-shirts and stuff like that. You were so jealous. Oh, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember reading about it in um, Nintendo Power and then going to see the wizard and being like, this is a real thing. Yeah. Like, I didn't understand that because I grew up in a house where, like, sports were constantly on in the background, right? My dad was always listening to the radio. He was always watching competitive sports, like sporting events. He would, like, bring me to hockey games and baseball games, and it never really stuck. And then, like, I open up this magazine, and there's just a crowd of people screaming at a television. Yeah, the first. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, totally, totally. Um, But they brought it back in 2015 sort of as a tie-in with Mario Maker. Uh, Personally, for me, that was Probably one of my best moments at IGN, sitting in the war room, watching watch people, people run oh through the gauntlets. I was sitting yeah. next to Brian and Brandon and Sam, and we were just yeah. losing our minds. Oh, my God. Um, so hard. Yeah, there was they, like 100 people in the IGN yeah, war room standing up and screaming. Flipping out, oh, yeah. That was so much fun. Um, but they brought it back this year. Uh, yep. 24 players uh, brought in through qualifying rounds. Uh, the final win went to Oakland's own Thomas Gonda. Congratulations. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's really, really cool. Um, he beat uh, the 2015 champ, John Numbers, who was the second place person. Yeah. It, was, it was neck and neck. In the final competition, what so, games so did cool. they play? Well, that we're going to get to that. Right. Jonathan actually, yeah. he was there. He did a lot of coverage for the Nintendo World Championship. I want him to tell us a little bit about. Uh, yeah, for what's sure. Going down there. Uh, well, so the event itself, uh, origi- it ran a little long, which I'd say was like the one drawback to it. Originally, it was supposed to be three hours long, went for four hours, uh, but it was a really awesome event that they kept the sort of pace of it going really well because every game was a surprise. No one knew, including the competitors, what they were going to be playing next. And so there was always this little bit of mystery as every round ended and every round began. And it was a bit of back and forth of 12 people are competing right now. Six of them go to the underground where people can compete to get back into the competition. There's this weird sort of like snaking uh, process to the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But 
when there were these like moments of people playing Donkey Kong Country Returns and they're trying to get through the minecart level and you're on the edge of your seat waiting or they're playing Mario Party 2 mini games and it's like, is Yoshi going to knock Wario off? Like there were really intense, genuinely exciting moments. And I think they orchestrated the entire thing super well. I'm the kind of person that doesn't understand like League of Legends. And when I look at like these like giant sort of arenas full of like people cheering on for esports, it's something I don't really get. Yeah. But one of the first things I ever covered in this industry was this uh, Street Fighter event here at, uh, at the Wharf. Perfect. And uh, I grew up playing Street Fighter and I remember being in arcades and gathering around a cabinet and having a bunch of like teenagers yell and scream, but nothing really on the scope of something like this. And I think what we like forget is how incredibly crafted a lot of these games are that taking a moment like a minecart level and putting it in front of a room of hundreds of people turns it from this like simple tense thing to this like edge of your seat screaming as loud as you can cheering clapping and hoping for the demise of the other player type of situation that you would never really expect and i think it's so cool how these games scale to that level you know especially like Burden beams. Yeah, the, so the weird. 2003, Such like it was a, a cut. Wario it's a WarioWare mini game, like micro game. Yeah, that you had to unlock uh, on the original Game Boy Advance version of WarioWare. Yeah, and they just threw to it because they have this deep chest yeah. that they can just kind of be like, "Here's this weird game." That's that well, black and white game where you're like flying around. No, you no. you're a bird and you have There's to use beans. your tongue. To, to grab beans as they fall yeah. down through the air, yeah. and you have to hold down the button to get the beans. And if the beans fall and hit, I remember the ground, that really well. For some reason, I thought it was like grayscale. Yeah. It's a little, yeah, yeah. it's a little yeah. like missile commandy, I guess. Yeah. yeah, in that way. Well, and so what was really cool was I got to speak to uh, Bill Trinan and uh, Doug friend Bowser. Yeah, friend of the show. Hey, Bill. Doug Bowser, friend of Bowser, uh, at <laughs> ahead of the show, and they were both talking about how what was really important to them was one the surprise of you. May, you're not going to expect all the games right. they're going to play, but for them, it's especially Bill, who has been there for I think 19 years or so. He has this huge, deep wealth of knowledge of Nintendo's entire franchise and lore and specific like modes in games. And so he's like, I pulled from that knowledge to be like, I think this will work in a not stadium setting, but in this theater setting where so many people are watching mm-hmm. and 12 people are competing. So even though it wasn't a multiplayer game, it was still a multiplayer event. Right. Well, they talked a little bit about the stuff that they actually cut from the challenges, like the, the way that they, they tested these different challenges internally at Nintendo yeah. to see whether or not they would play to an audience. And then what they decided, you know, what, what made the final cut? What were the qualifying rounds? What, put people into the second round, et cetera, et cetera. So let's talk a little bit about like what these rounds were. So the a competition kicked off with Breath of the Wild Shield Surfing, which is a portion of that game that you can completely miss. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So this is just speaking to sort of how deep cut a lot of this stuff right. was. Um, and then a high score in Smash Wii U Home Run Contest, mm-hmm. um, the Samus Returns Diggernaut Race, uh, more Smash, Mario Kart 8, Splatoon 2 Tower Control, uh, ARMS, we talked about Bird and Beans, uh, the minecart race from Donkey Kong Country Returns, Tetris, which Ooh, you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. So the Tetris round was, I think, the one round that sort of failed to me because it just, it, I think it was one of the underground rounds. So it was people competing to get back into the tournament. Right. And I, they just didn't seem to know how the older version of Tetris worked. It, it was clearly the original sort of Game Boy or NES yeah. version, I think. Uh, and. They were just having a difficult time lining what, things what's up. What's not to know? I don't know. I, you got to do the blocks, man. You got to make the lines. So that game didn't have, I don't believe it had a quick drop. It didn't no, have a hold. Have a yeah, drop. it didn't have hold. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of rules that like evolved and changed. Like the official Tetris guideline Bible or whatever is yeah. completely insane because they're always sort of canonically, non-canonically adding new rules and being like, this is the definitive way to say from us, the people that make Tetris. <laughs> and people are like, no, stop. 
Like, and yeah. to some of us, like the Game Boy version is the only way we'll play. Sure, yeah. You know? yeah. I, I actually love the DS version. Uh, they I love Tetris DS. Yeah, I think that one's great. But yeah, yeah, it was just a with sort all of, the Nintendo stuff in it. Yeah, 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 it would like play on the top yep. screen or whatever. Yep. I, the only thing for me was just watching it. it. It felt a little like embarrassing just because I was like, I don't know if you've played Tetris before. Sometimes, but I, I'm sure it was just a in the heat of the moment you're getting used to doing this, and that was the thing they really considered was all. It's a wide range of people. I think they said a 25 year age gap between yeah. the youngest and oldest person. It's crazy, and so. It was this thing of like these people may not have played some of these games and especially the younger kids may never have seen Tetris before like yeah. that was just a possible Tetris well, was one of the original Nintendo World Championship yeah. games yeah right for the other two were no Super Mario yep yeah mm-hmm. collect a bunch of coins in that uh-huh. and then Rad Racer oh yeah. Rad Racer uh, okay. cool um, yeah um, we did a let's play of that here at IGN recently yeah, me the, and Mary Kish um, oh yeah for, uh, for we did not do well but it was point. really fun it's really yeah. cool. uh, like sort of the the movie The Wizard which a lot of this kind of stems from harking back to like the uh, Super Mario 3 that's where was the first yeah I was gonna say that's the first place that and obviously what an exclusive yeah that was obviously a fake movie but like kids were getting the warp whistles they were like glitching through the background walls like how do you know that you know someone in the audience yells get the warp whistle <laughs> and they're revealing it as a game nobody's ever seen before. Yeah. Uh, the last, that kid broke an embargo. Yeah, the last totally. few games that I want to talk about here, uh, yeah. Mario Party 2, a bunch of mini games from that, that, obviously. Um, a bunch of levels from Super Mario Maker, mm. which I feel like is borderline unfair. Yep, that's, that's a real tough That's a real tough go. Uh, Super Mario Brothers Deluxe for the Game Boy Color. Um, and then it all oh, sort of... Interesting. Is it like a yeah, that was part of that? It that must have a been, A multiplayer yeah. mode. Okay. And so you, one of you plays as Mario, the other's Luigi, and the thing is you're both running through the same level, but uh-huh. there are blocks in the levels that if you hit it, it causes blocks to appear to stop Luigi. Right. Oh. No, I totally played yeah. that. So it's it, like real it was yeah. really fun to watch. And this was sort of when it was down to uh, like Thomas four, and John. Right? Uh, that was just Thomas and John Numbers, I okay. think, at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It was a... Th- or the would have been the top three. They did yeah. a three part final round. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so uh, cool. But this whole competition culminated in three challenges uh, from Super Mario Odyssey, which I thought this was a really clever thing for Nintendo to do because a obviously it's free promotion from their part, like yeah. they're showing off their new game and like oh also it's out in two weeks. Um, B it showed us some new stuff in Mario, which uh, you can see here. Uh, oh, cool. These are the challenges. Yeah, yeah. So they yeah. did three really clever challenges. So the first one they did was this eight uh, bit two <laughs> D challenge. Can you stand? on that thing so here's the deal so he's going to come out here and hit this pow block and then it freezes them in place no, yeah and, um, and this was a crazy thing it. that there's now a built-in like lore and history to nintendo world championships because when john numbers was falling behind everyone was like oh no the champ is falling like what's happening and right thomas just sort of kept going and going and he figured out first and it was it was this really cool moment in the room right experience yeah um yeah but i think it's a really interesting way that they they position this because it's it's three very disparate challenges yes so you'll see this uh 8-bit one right and then the next thing that they showed was sort of this uh fork flick challenge which uh if we're going to show it here you basically needed to get cappy mario yeah so you basically just needed to work your way up this tower flicking your hat possessing uh the fork stuff Uh and then like these little engines here throw the hat even further so you'll see them do things like mario will throw his hat into an engine it'll connect with the fork and then you can fling yourself up further um this to me uh this is so smart well and i think this is representative of three very different eras of mario right so this is a very this feels a lot like galaxy to me yeah you know uh whereas obviously the first challenge was more of an 8-bit challenge um and then the last challenge that they showed uh was sort of a classic n64 style level where you're um navigating sort of this ice area so it's very slick and you had to kind of speed your way through there and then use cappy to uh uh, capture 
bullet bills and wind your way through some columns. Uh, you'll see this here. And then eventually you wind up, see there's capturing the bullet bills. And then eventually you wind up uh, facing off against a boss that reminded me a lot of uh, Godhan from Wind Waker. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's that. a very cool boss encounter. And uh, I just really like the way that they position these challenges to these guys. Yeah. Like, I thought it was a very, very clever way on Nintendo's part to say, like, here, this game really sort of has something for everybody. Um, and also it looks to be pretty challenging, mm-hmm. um, especially when you're trying to play it under the gun like this. Yeah. The fact that they'd never seen any of these parts of the game before, mm-hmm. like they had hints of it, but I, I love that it was just well, fresh. Well, this boss is so everyone. cool. Yeah. 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 And so yeah. you capture its fists and then you have to drive the fist into its face. Yeah. yeah I, you gotta make I think, it punch itself. Yeah. I think this sort of, um, answers some more questions that we have about this game too. We haven't seen a ton of bosses. This guy is very, yeah, like you so said, very N64. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like uh, to throw back to what we saw a second ago, like we haven't seen a ton of like pure platforming stuff in this game. Yeah. A lot of it has been like New Donk City is an awesome playground, but it's also incredibly safe and you can climb to the top of the tallest building and jump off and not lose health. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this you, one like in sort of like bottomless You can pits. get out in the girders and I know there's hard stuff out there, but we haven't yeah, seen it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's cool to see all that out in the margins of this game because mm-hmm. I think that's where it's going to get really challenging. Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. The end of Super Mario Galaxy 2, like the final the final stars and stuff, the runs in that game were so hard. There's like the perfect run at the end of it. Oh, <laughs> we, yeah. My, my wife that? and I almost like 100%ed uh, 3D World, but there's like three levels at the end that are just like incredibly... <laughs> oh, I know the levels that you're talking about. And we'll be sitting there some nights and she'll be like, do you want to plug in the Wii U and get get through those levels? And I was like, it's not happening. Yeah. It's just not <laughs> it's happening. No, I don't no. want to fight with you tonight. Yeah. It's not happening. I love you. Let's stop. So... While I think that this is a clever way to show off uh, new Mario gameplay, rather than just release like a gameplay-specific trailer or a launch trailer, I am a little concerned, and I wanted to ask you guys today, uh, have we seen too much of Super Mario Odyssey? Uh, you know, At this point, they've done several directs. They've shown a ton of stuff on Treehouse. Right. They've revealed here, like in Nintendo World Championships. Like, do you feel like you've seen a lot of what mario odyssey has to offer and does that diminish your excitement for it i feel like i've seen more going into this game than i have for any 3d mario in the past yeah but i'm also looking more like specifically with mario 64 and i've told this story on the show i pre-ordered an n64 and mario 64 and pilot wings all of the launch titles and uh i walked into a toys r us and i saw a they were the first Bowser fight in the game happening. Mm. And I just sort of like covered my eyes, like shielded myself and kept walking. I was like, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see anything. I don't want anything spoiled. I saw him grabbing Bowser by the tail and spinning around. Spin and, around. and I was like, there's no way in hell you can do that. But this is that coming off like of like, scene, yeah. yeah, you can't do that in Super Mario World. <laughs> this was the sequel to Super Mario World. <laughs> right. You know how insane that was? Yeah. Uh, so this game, different story. I work at IGN now. It's impossible to avoid almost anything. Some sure. people here go into media blackouts on things. I'm trying my best to do that for Star Wars yeah, right now. I, yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Um, but you know, like even when you're not looking, you're scrolling through Twitter and right. someone broke out a GIF or yeah. you're on Instagram and there's a, a JPEG or something. You a know, lot a of picture. shirtless so, Mario's all around. Yeah, yeah. That was unavoidable. Um, it, it's a beautiful sight though. So it's okay. I hope it's like a great plateau. Like we saw yeah. a yeah. lot of Zelda and yeah. it was an unfathomably bigger, more beautiful, more wonderful game yeah. than yeah. we could have ever imagined. Totally. I, think that's, I think that's the thing that, that isn't diminishing any of my excitement about it is that, uh, I know just from playing the E3 demo that there are power moons littered across each of these kingdoms, just hidden all over the place. Like Mm -hmm. in in tasks like we saw at the Nintendo World Championship where you have to complete these insane platform segments. But then also there are just random characters that you'll complete something for that's literally just talking to them and be like, hey, you're a good pal. 
Here's a power move. I love you know, that. And it's like that kind yeah. of stuff that's just like, yeah. that happened oh, in I Mario 64 a little bit. Yeah. yeah, random toads would be like, hey, man, I'll kick you a star. You you hustling out here. <laughs> but yeah, I, for me, it's, I feel like we have seen a lot of this game and probably more than I would have wanted, but it still feels like there's so much left to see. Right. Like, there are entire kingdoms that they have shown at most a screenshot yeah. or yeah. two seconds of footage yeah. of. Mm-hmm. Wherever so. Cappy comes from, I want to know the deep lore of the Cappy kingdom. Mm-hmm. Oh, he, yeah, like yeah. That weird his house? Yeah, let's find out what happens. Where his family is? I think got a wife and kids back there. You think Bowser has a hat? That he uses that He's has got a, that a mind. Hat. Yeah, but you think it has a mind? Maybe they call him brain hats. Whatever, an eye. If I you collect know. all the power moons, <laughs> Yoshi will just tell you something. In about the uh, oh, very, man. very first print review of Super Mario Brothers that that we've been able to find as humans, uh, I think Frank Cifaldi actually tweeted about this yeah. the show. Uh, he uh, found a review, and it was all about how Super Mario Brothers to this person who had never heard of this game and was reading it for like a local, like maybe a college paper or something. Like game reviews were not around for early Nintendo games. Uh, it's talking about how many secrets there were in it. And like how cool it was that there is a brick that you could find that had a one up in it, or a, a, and, and when you think back of the first time you guys played Super Mario Brothers, or if you're a little bit younger than me, you might not have played it at the time. But uh, that was what it was about. It was like about slowly exploring these this world and running through it and speed runs and stuff like that. Like that was all later. Yeah, and it was fun like to get through the early levels fast once you got sick of them. But really, like you would jump and explore and right. go find every pipe you could go down and figure out the best way through stuff. The, and the- hopefully, the secrets in this game is what they're keeping secrets. Right. Yeah, the schoolyard right. conversations for that game. I almost said water cooler, but we didn't like really mm-hmm. do that. So we can go to hang <laughs> drinking the fountain. Pool. The drinking fountain. Yeah. Um, was the <laughs> I really love the idea of like a bunch of kids gathering around a drinking fountain every morning and yeah. you're like, oh hey, did you find this? The yeah. conversations then were about the the warp zones. They were about the hidden one up mushrooms. Like I remember the first time I'd played through one one a thousand times before someone was like, hey, do you know there's a like jump right there over that like green and orange like yeah. mountain. Mm. whatever it is back there the upside down cloud basically yeah um bush the bush and hey. there's there's just a one up there and it's there every single time forever now and then you start to memorize and you could get it and then go backwards into the pipe if yes you're really, if you're really good like pixel by pixel yeah. yeah and all of that stuff was really incredible so i think we're seeing the acrobatics and we're seeing like uh, some like areas but we're not seeing the secret stuff right yeah and i totally i totally vibe with that like i, I get that for sure my i guess one of my only concerns about Mario Odyssey is sort of this replayability that you guys are talking about. Like just hearing you talk about it right now, one of the things that I love the most about Super Mario World is being able to go back in even 15 years after I played it the last time. I'm replaying it on an SNES Classic right now. And uh, this sort of sense of rediscovery, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like, oh, right, I forgot that this leads to the blue Switch yeah, Palace. I just Sunshine like, again, and I felt great about it. Really? Yeah, I've forgotten just enough stuff and remembered just enough stuff to make it not annoying. Yeah. And it was awesome. So I kind of I kind of wonder if Odyssey has that sort of immediate replayability like the older Mario games mm-hmm. or if we're going to have to take a 10-year break and then come back to it. Yeah, because like, I love Breath of the Wild. I could Breath of the Wild Breath is the probably Wild. one of my top 10 favorite games of all time, Same. not just this year. I don't want to play that game for a long time. To be fair. That's drawing me back. We did play it fair, several times. <laughs> we've right. beaten this game together. You've beaten this game once on your own, so have I, and then you beat it twice again with me. Yeah, well, uh, then, well, we beat it once together. Yeah. I beat it once regular. Yeah. I beat it on Master Mode. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so, so, yeah, so, I mean, yeah. 
So you're good. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> you're yeah, I'm good, good yeah. for a while. Yeah. So I mean, I wonder. I guess that sort of uh, flies in the face of what I was just saying because well, who's to say that I don't go through Mario and then try to 100 percent it, and then I'm like, well, maybe there's a uh, Mario Master mode. Who knows what the kingdoms are going to be set up like? There, there's no overworld to this one. They've yeah, right. So you just go in Mario's Odyssey, the ship, yeah, from kingdom to kingdom. But who knows what those kingdoms are going to hold beyond what we've seen of that portion of New Donk City, beyond the uh, wooden kingdom? Yeah, there could be so much. Yeah, and you guys are so right. I mean, there is a there is is sort of a like a tedium that is inherent in modern game design when they are so over overwhelmed with content sometimes where it does actually is a drawback in terms of replayability when you get through and you 100 percent a game for the first time and it takes you like 60 hours to do it mm. and it's amazing you aren't really like nudged to go back and do it again because it's such a process whereas mm. mario 64 i mean you can sort of get to the goal in that game pretty quickly um hundred percenting it's kind of a you know it's tricky a job but yeah. uh, it's worth doing yeah uh, but i think you know time heals all wounds when it comes to stuff like that sunshine is a different story because sunshine hasn't been playable anywhere else yeah mario 64 i've replayed on ds a bunch yeah, of times i've replayed on virtual console mm-hmm. sunshine it's is hard to play the locked. galaxy games too yeah 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 i mean they're there you can play them on wii u but sunshine is locked to the nintendo to the GameCube. GameCube. Yeah. and if you don't have one hooked up and running uh it's not happening so yeah. um yeah we'll see how well all these games get future-proofed and how how often we'll want to go back and to bring it all back around this is the reason I don't like Super Mario Run is because it doesn't have my favorite and I think the most important part of a Mario game, the exploration. which is that soul of exploration and yeah. sequence. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So even if the acrobatics are there 100%, like I feel like all kinds of games are doing that just right now. Mm-hmm. And Mario originated that and Run feels just right. But mm-hmm. it's like I want to do the opposite of that. I want to stand still and I want to think like, okay, how, how I the get, heck yeah. am I going to get up there? Yeah. That's I what totally I'm understand that. when you're running. Yeah. That's true. An excellent point from Sam the Sham Claiborne. Um, Love that guy. Let's do a little question block and then All get right. the heck out of here. Sure. Um, the question. That's the question block sound. Ba-ding, ba-ding. Oh, okay. Uh, the question block is obviously our weekly segment where we check in with the listeners. Hi, listeners. Uh, you can reach us at Scoop. NBC, yeah, exactly. NBC at IGN. Watch um, from the wall. You can all check out the uh, Facebook group, which is very popular these days. Mm-hmm. Lots of people have joined in the last few months. Yeah. Love that group. Um, yeah, it's really yeah. awesome. It's uh, we also have a Twitter account. Yeah, that's uh, uh, at NVC Podcast. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so Check this that week I pulled every other yeah. day. <laughs> yep. Uh, this week I pulled from the uh, emails we've been getting. NVC at IGN.com. Ian from Saskatoon asks. There seems to have been silence from Nintendo since May about their upcoming smartphone games. Originally, we were supposed to have five games by March 2017. Currently, we only have three, if you count Mitomo. I was wondering, what yeah. do you hope to get out of Nintendo's next smartphone game, whether it be Animal Crossing, Zelda, or something else? As a side note, do any of you still use Mitomo? No. No. I recently opened my game and deleted most of my friends because it was ti- I was tired of the never-running Switch friend request from it. Every time I see a notification from Nintendo on social media it's or from anywhere Mitomo. about Mitomo, oh, yeah. I'm always like... Who is still playing this? But yeah. then I realized, like, you know, we don't exist in a vacuum. Like, yeah, yeah Dor- no, Dorney. No. There are people that don't have a 3DS. I'm they don't the have King a Switch. You know? Yeah. Mm. If you just have a phone, like a phone, and you want to play some Nintendo stuff, like, sure, jump in there. But they're constantly so, adding new hats and clothes yeah. and things to yeah. do that. But in that game. to, to yeah. Ian's question, uh, first of all, nobody knows when March of 2017 is. Nobody can nobody can put a pinpoint no on that. Know. There's no way to know Lost that. Time. Um, but I will say that, yes, there are games missing from their original plan. Yeah. Uh, do I want to see Animal Crossing on mobile? I, yeah, because I think that that's probably the most game geared towards mobile that Nintendo has in their sort of sure. pantheon. Do I want to see a Zelda game? No. Not I don't really. think like, the yeah. Animal Crossing thing is going to be a game, though. 
I, what, like, match I, three? I, I know I think it is an app because the way they've talked about it, they've said that it will be able to connect to your other Animal mm. Crossing games. So to me, it's an item management thing or it's like, here's your home on the go. Like, I don't think it will be a here's a, your full town. But to go to right. what you think it'll be connected to the next Animal Crossing? That's game? what I assume. Or and like New Leaf? Well, I would assume it's connected to the new one and that's why we uh, haven't heard from it yeah. in a while. I, I feel like their mobile initiative in general I could be wrong. is something that um, sort of spiraled out from the lack of success that they saw with the Wii U and they needed a sort of quick fix to monetize their entire you know company from a different angle sure and i think it worked very well then um i think that in 2017 and 18 and going further uh seeing games go exclusively to a phone when we're all sitting here with a switch that we adore that's selling incredibly well true um feels a little puzzling and maybe that gave them a little redundant yeah Yeah, i agree i totally agree but we know there's their mobile games are supposed to drive people to play switch games that's the idea so they should by that definition be a kind of simpler and I don't think more accessible, but they're trying to make them more accessible games. Mm-hmm. I don't think Mitomo. Yeah, super, I do. Super I do accessible. want them to nail that thing that like everyone has always tried to nail since the like, the advent of smartphones, uh, where doing something on the go on my phone feeds into the stuff I'm playing on my home console or my handheld. Yeah. Um, very few the Animal Crossing Island yeah. situation where you exactly. can download it on your. GBA. That's a great idea. So that would be yeah. Absolutely. Very few developers can actually nail that. There's all these companion apps and like smartphone, you know, sort of like spinoff games and stuff like that. Shadow of War just launched. Yeah. Um, but they don't always feed in the way I want them to. But if I can like get furniture for my Animal Crossing town on the fly in some match three puzzle game in Animal Crossing Mobile, hell yeah. Well, you know? Splatoon That's Two a did a little bit of this with the uh, the Switch app that allowed yeah. you to buy exclusive clothing from the Nintendo Switch app yeah. that you would pick up in yeah. game. Um, I, I will say we got to move on here, but I will say that. Nintendo has done a very good job of supporting the games that they have released. Um, you know, we just saw Super Mario Run update. Uh, Fire Emblem Heroes is updated all oh, the time, okay, yeah. like all the time. And uh, Pokemon Go is Niantic, obviously, but they've also done a great job of keeping yeah. up, adding new raids, adding new Pokemon. Uh, Andrew Goldfarb, friend of the show, is flying to Austin to catch a Pokemon. Like to a catch crazy a Pokemon. Person, like a crazy person. Yep. Yep. Uh, hit us with another one. Uh, Giordano asks, hey guys, I'm a big Nintendo fan. I follow you every week. Your show is absolutely great. Thank you. Woot. Since you were talking about how the first six months of switch has been uh have been i think we cannot ignore the fact that it still hasn't had a way to connect to bluetooth headphones as a commuter and iphone user by headphone jack and he meant like buy headphone jack <laughs> and given that the console is meant to be played on the go i still think this is a necessary feature that you simply cannot skip on a 2017 device but apparently not as many people are complaining about it as its absence as i thought they would I'm loving the switch anyway but we need to put more emphasis on this yeah, winky face. Um, I think he answered his own question. He's like, "I love it anyway." So this is—it's like basically we're putting up with it because it's—it's <laughs> it's like it sucks, right? Like I wish we could. Yeah. And I've seen—I've seen workarounds here in the office. Uh, Mike Aransky, who's one of our producers here, bought one of those sort of like—it's—it's it's sort of like a a big clunky rabbit ear thing that just sticks at the top of your switch that works as a Bluetooth adapter. It's not sleek. It should be built in. It's not there. Uh, it is for your controllers, which are odd, but it's just not there for headphones. So I'm hoping it's something they can patch. But in the meantime, I'm happy to plug in and play games, and I'd rather not boycott the entire system over it. Yeah. Know? I mean, I feel I feel Giordano's pain. I think especially living in a commuter city has that effect on people. Like, I, I too, have an iPhone 7. I don't have the right jack for my Switch. Um, 
I, I think that the biggest concern here is battery life, yeah. right? Yeah. Like I think just judging how my phone chews through battery power when Bluetooth is enabled and I'm using Bluetooth headphones. Think about mm-hmm. that. That's a really yeah. good point. I mean, the Switch already has like a two to three hour battery span. If you throw Bluetooth on top of that, you're looking at like, will I make it to my commute like right. before my Switch dies? Right. So I think that it's it's a trade-off, you know? It's like six of one half. We're going to have those other. iPhone <laughs> dongles for the rest of our lives just so you can have the thing going. Both. It's true. Yeah. It's really silly. Well, guys, that's all the Nintendo news that we have this week. So tell us where we can find you guys. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Agent Bizzle. Uh-huh. I'm also on Beyond, Up at Noon, all the other fun shows we do here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I make regular appearances on Game Scoop. Mm-hmm. Check in for the 20 questions. It's a really fun game we play where we guess an old game. That's right. Or a new game. And uh, I'm uh, at Samuel underscore IGN on Twitter. Oh, also I wanted to mention, uh, you're on this week's episode of Retronauts talking mm-hmm. about Super Mario Sunshine, and it's yeah. a really great episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Um, there's I, a, it's I, a lot of criticism thrown well. that way, but I do feel like... I like yeah. Sunshine, so at the end, they're like, well, I kind of uh, pulled for it for a while, but yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. If you guys don't there's listen... There's a lot of easy ways to criticize it. Yeah, Retronauts guys, is a great show. I was going to say, yeah. if you don't listen to Retronauts, uh, have a listen, because they do, they do killer episodes on yeah. all topics, but they especially drill down on Nintendo stuff. Really yeah, well. and they're yes. part of the family. They were at 1UP, and then were, they were at IGN for a while, and then now they're doing their own thing as a Patreon. So, yeah. indie, awesome. indie boys. And this has been our Retronauts Appreciation Podcast. Yeah. Jonathan, where can we find you? Can you can find me at JM Dornbush on Twitter, and on my Riverdale fan podcast, which <laughs> doesn't exist yet, but hopefully... River Dudes. Uh, no, you've got Dale. Oh, that's good. That's much better. Uh, I'm at, uh, where's my camera? There we go. I'm at uh, Zacharias D. You can find me on Twitter there. Um, I'm here every week on NVC. Uh, Next week, Pear will return triumphantly, hopefully with some news from Germantown and his triumphant Dude, you're getting a Dale. Very good. Right on. Well, that's it for us, and we are out of here. See ya. Get the thing.